This uh, shear that I heard from Rev. Daniel Gladstein a couple years ago, he's a Rev. in the Five Towns, he's one of the more popular speakers on Torah Anytime, that's where I saw, heard the shear. He, he's been there since the beginning, so he has like over 10,000 shearim or something, there's tons of stuff, and he's known for like taking a bunch of like relatively obscure sources and putting them all together into a beautiful cohesive package, so this is my take on his shear. I, I, I came up with the title, the Turning Cheeseburgers into the Korban Pesach, King Shul's Plan. So I'm going to ask a bunch of questions, and uh, just keep track, I'm going to write them on the board, and then hopefully over time we'll gradually answer them. So depending on time, we'll read inside most of the sources, and uh, if not, then I'll just get to the main points of what each of the different sources are saying. So, fine. So first of all, everybody knows there's a mitzvah to get drunk in Purim. Uh, hearing a lot about that uh, the past few hours, uh, here and there. So, the source for the mitzvah of getting drunk in Purim is source number one. It's the Gemara in Megillah, Daf Zayin Mabez, Amarava, Mechaiv Inish, the Basume, Bapuria. So, simple understanding is the Basume literally get spiced, Basamim. You should spice yourself up, but it means to get drunk. Uh, as Rashi the says, Bapuria on Purim, Adelo Yada bin Arhaman, Lavarach Mordechai. So, a question that many, many Mepharshim are bothered with is what kind of, what kind of mitzvah is this? Why, why, would, why would Chazal institute us to get drunk? Usually we look at drunk people as like lowly, if they're like really drunk, you know, people rolling in the mud, I don't know, and uh, Jews are very much into using their head, using their intellect, so when you drink you're kind of like turning that off, so like it's seemingly kind of counterintuitive, and also in a sense a lot of bad mitos come out. So th this question, I believe one of the earliest sources is source number two, the Eli Rabbah, it's a commentary on the Lavush, which is basically similar to the Shulchan Aruch. And he basically says, um, how, how could Chazal require us? It's a command. It's a, it's a mitzvah. It says, Mechaev, to get drunk. Something that the Torah and the Nevi'im, the Kamakomos, many places, they describe how Shechros Mikshul Gadol. Getting drunk is it's a big stumbling block. People do Averos, they're not in their full uh, control of themselves, and they don't have their inhibitions. So he gives an answer. He suggests, that uh, he says that all the mitzvos, all the mitzvos of the Torah, uh, sorry, that all the all the nisim of Purim happened through the drinking. The that that what happened because during the the Suda, uh, got drunk and he killed Vashti, and, and that brought Esther into the opportunity to become the queen and. Esther used a mishta, used a drinking party to get Achashverosh and Haman together in order to turn on him. So you see that there's all kinds of, uh, there's a theme in the whole Purim story of, of, of drinking wine. So therefore, that's why Chazal instituted the mitzvah. But it's not, that's his answer. It's not the, maybe there's like a deeper thing we could try to find because it doesn't fully answer the question. Maybe there's a deeper idea. Why did Chazal institute the idea of getting drunk? So the first question, why get drunk? I, as I mentioned, we're going to ask a lot of questions, so I'm writing them all down. Why do we get drunk? That's uh, a question I'm What does like, you say? Like, they were speaking a lot, you know, so there may be mitzvahs like you're speaking, so we should also just like speak. You're saying like, so what, that that's what they did? Yeah. But I guess here, what he's trying to say is a significant part of the whole storyline was the drinking. Like, speaking is kind of like something we do all the time. It, it's unnecessarily integral to the, the whole story, as opposed to the drinking, it's like, maybe. No, I hear what you're saying, though. So, source number three. 
what exactly was the what exactly was the 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 avera of, of the Jewish people? What what was the cause of the decree? What what caused this whole calamity, this whole de- uh, gezera that the entire Jewish people would be wiped out? Wiped out. Sigmara and Megillah, Daf Yud Beis, Amidal, source number three. Shalu Tamidav es Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. The students of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai asked him, "Mipnei man is chayvu san'ein shal Yisrael." Why, why were they, why were they, why is it there against them that they shall be killed? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said to his students, you tell me an answer. So what did they say? Because the Jewish people, they, they benefited from the suit of a Chesherosh. Chesherosh had a 180 day long party and the, he was trying to get the Jewish people to join. And... The uh, Mordechai told him not to go. He said that it was like totally inappropriate. There was going to be uh, zonos there, as I'll say. They put inappropriate women there to entice the Jews. There's going to be non-kosher food, or there even was some kosher food, but it was like aser midrabanan because non-Jews cooked it, even if it was kosher. He was basically trying to make the Jewish people stumble. And Mordechai told him not to go, and they went anyways. If you look in source number four, there's a midrash shir shirim. Rabba, and it's basically the same dialogue a little bit, but it's a little bit flipped. It says, Why was it that the Jewish people were in Suffolk if they're going to survive or not during Haman? What was the cause of the decree? It's a machlogus between the two of them. That's also an opinion that's brought on the Gemara Megillah. It's because they did idol worship during the Nebuchadnezzar. He said to bow down to this idol, and they bowed down to the idol. So... A few generations later, that's why this whole gezerah happened. But Rabbi Shun Bar Yochai says, because they ate non, the non-Jewish food in the Suda. So it's interesting, if you look at the Megillah, this was a side point, in Megillah and in Shir Shem Rabbah, it's flipped. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai asked his students, what's the reason? And his students told him, because of the Suda. And here, it's the other way around, it's the Rabbanan, who I guess are the other rabbis, they, they say one thing, and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is the one who said the Suda. But that's uh, just a side point. And then, but the, the Gemara Megillah, which I left out, says a problem. There's a problem with this pshat, because that was only in Shushan. The, the whole party was in Shushan, the capital of Ahasuerus' kingdom. So how come the entire Jewish people was decreed? It was only the people in Shushan that went to the party. So Gemara doesn't answer it, but the Midrash here actually asks it and answers it. It says, the second line of Source 4, It was only those people, as the, as the Pasuk says. Etc. That, that it was in the days of in Shushan. That's 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 where the stu- that's where the party happened. Amru lo, v'halo kol Yisrael Ravim Ilan Ilan. Or as we often say, kol Yisrael Ravim Zelazeh. Still, since the Jewish people are all interconnected, we're all responsible for each other. The entire Jewish people had this decree against them. So again, the the Jewish people, the sin was that they they ate at the suit of Chashverosh. They benefited from it, and Mordechai told them not to go. And Rabbi Gladstein, who I said this year is, is based off of. He says, he suggests, this is actually the worst Avera in all of Jewish history. Why? I, if I would ask you guys, what do you think would be the worst Avera that we did in our history? Kisitego. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I would say also. We're going to read it next week. So he says, but there, the decree wasn't the entire Jewish people except for Moshe. They're all going to be destroyed except for Moshe. The Jewish people would continue. Here, there wasn't a single exception. Man, woman, child, Mordechai, Esther, they're all decreed to be destroyed. So you see that the entire Jewish people would be destroyed because of this Avera. The question is, well, what's, what's so significant about it? You, you think idol worship is one of the worst things ever. They also did idol worship. So that's one opinion. But according to the opinion that it, that it was because they benefited from the Suda, 
So well, what's the problem there? So I think the idea is that the whole Suda was Hashverosh's uh, plan, uh, plan was he wanted to celebrate the end of the Jewish people because there was a whole prediction that the Jews would be in exile for 70 years and he calculated incorrectly that the 70 years had passed and he said, oh, the Jewish people weren't redeemed. It must be that there's no more uh, Jewish people. The base of Megdash is destroyed. It's never going to be rebuilt. He was, it was a celebration of the end of the Jewish people. And you know who went to that party and celebrated with him? The Jews. The Jewish Jews. Yeah. So that was considered such a, such a, 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 a betrayal of, of Hashem, in a sense. So perhaps that's why it was so significant. But we'll, we'll get back to this idea. Now, given that this is the, tr- the, the fact, this kind of strengthens the question. If this is such a horrible thing that the Jewish people did, that they went to this drinking party, so why are we drinking on Purim? We're seemingly recalling the Avera that the Jewish people did. And furthermore, source number five, uh, is written by Rav Shlomo Kluger. It's a commentary on Megillus Esther called Maimer Esther. He has a different question. He asks, source 5, Hine, have a kasha l'kos of a Megillah. I have a problem with the Megillah. What's the problem? Eich alidei amishta nafal haman. Esther had this whole plan. You know what? I'm going to invite Haman to a drinking party. And through that, I'm going to get, get Haman. So, but why is she using a drinking party as part of her plan? Again, the whole decree from Haman came because of the drinking party. And so she's going to use a drinking party to stop Haman, but if anything, it's gonna—it's against the Jew, Jewish people. It's—it's it's like a what's called a kitrig. It's called a—it's called a—it's called a, 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 a prosecutor. They're showing our avera. It's like going to Hashem and saying, "Oh, look at all the averas I did. You know, please give me this and this and this." Like that's—that's—that's that's, that's not a good idea. So he quotes a, a concept that actually the guys who were here last summer may remember. It's called Ein Katigor Nasisanigor. If you have a, a prosecutor, it can't become a defense attorney. You can't use an avera. To your advantage. So that's his question. So again, question number two: Why did Esther use wine as part of her plan? Isn't that also also question one? Why do we? Why did Chazal institute that we should get drunk? And two, they're, they're related. You're right. They're related. So we'll see. Now, this week is Parsha Zachar, as was stated a few times. And in Parsha Zachar, we're going to read in the Haftarah the the failure of Shalom Elch. Because in the times of Shaul, when he was king, Shmuel, Shmuel was the, the prophet, Shmuel Navi. He told him that Hashem said, you have to destroy the entire Amalek people. This, the time has come. Man, woman, child, all their animals, they all need to be wiped out. This is the time to fulfill the mitzvah. So Shaul gathered the people and they destroyed basically all of Amalek. He made two exceptions to the, what he was told to do. He left Agag, the king of Amalek, alive. And through that, that's how Haman was born because... They had captured him, and that night he was with his Zona, and she became pregnant. And even though Agag was later killed, but she was pregnant, and she was able to continue the Amalek people's lineage. And also he left the animals alive, because he's like, well, it's such a waste, you know, why don't we bring these animals as carbonos? Why should I just kill all the animals? So it's very interesting. There's a pasuk here that's almost astounding. It is astounding. Uh, source number six, in Shmuel, Sefer Shmuel, it says, Shmuel el Shal. He went to... Shaul to rebuke him for failing to f- listen to what Hashem told him to do. He made up his own exceptions to what Hashem said to do. But Yomer Lo Shaul, what did Shaul say to Shmuel when he saw him for the first time? Baruch Atah Hashem, he blessed him. He said, oh, you're, you're blessed to Hashem. Hakimosi Estevar Hashem. I have fulfilled, I've upheld the word of God. Now, Shaul knows that he didn't do what Shmuel told him to do. Shmuel told him to kill everyone, man, woman, child, no exceptions, all the animals, as the mitzvah of Mechia Samalek. And Shaul said, I fulfilled what you told me to do. I upheld the word of Hashem. 
So he's not a liar. He's not. He knows he didn't do what he was told to do. So question number three is what was Shaul thinking when he said that? Okay. Now we're gonna analyze a few psukim. Oh, sorry. Before that, this is related to what the other Rabbi Wolf was just talking about, which is the idea that on Purim we accepted the Torah anew. The, the Jewish people were given the Torah and Hashem put the mountain over their heads and said, if you accept the Torah, great. If not, I'm going to bury you here. And the Jews accepted the Torah under duress. And it was until the days of Purim that it says, uh, I underline here, source number seven, Hadri Kiblu The times of Purim, this is Gemara Shabbos, Dav Peches, It says in the days of Purim, they accepted the Torah anew. Because of the love of the nace, they accepted the Torah out of love. So this is kind of an interesting question that Rabbi Gladstein asks. Um, I don't think he... I, I, I found all these sources myself uh, but uh, that he was quoting, but I didn't see a source for this question. He said, why did it take so long? You know, we had the entire Jewish history, uh, basically all of Tanakh, and the, that entire time the Jews never accepted the Torah willingly. Like, you know, they entered Eretz Yisrael successfully, they didn't accept the Torah then. They built the base Migdash. They didn't accept the Torah then. They had all these Nisim and Niflos. So the Shechina was there. They didn't accept the Torah then. It was only until the days of Purim that they finally accepted the Torah willingly. Like, what took so long? Why, why only then? Why not earlier? Question number four. Why not accept the Torah earlier? Earlier. There's a lot of questions, so just to keep track of them all. <laughs> Fine. Fine, and then now we're going to just analyze a few psukim to finish off the questions. Don't worry, there's only six. So in source number eight, there's an interesting pasuk here that, sh- that Mordechai told this to Esther as a way of convincing her to try to k- speak to Hashverosh to r- get rid of the decree. The pasuk says, Perik Dalad, Pasuk Yudalad, Ki im tacharesh, tacharishi beisazos, if you are silent and you do not you know, take upon yourself to speak to Hashverosh, Okay, okay, fine. So God was going to save the Jewish people. If you want to get involved, great. If you don't want to get involved, Hashem's going to take care of us either way, which is an interesting idea. But why is he trying to convince her to get involved? If you don't get involved, you and your father's house are going to be lost. They're going to be destroyed. Maybe this is the very reason why you were made queen, so you can intervene on the Jewish people's behalf. So that's just a very strange thing to say to her. If you want to get involved... Great. If you don't want to get involved, so don't worry, we'll be saved anyways. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. First of all, what does he mean? Why would, they, why would she and her father's house be destroyed? First of all, she, second of all, she doesn't have a father. It says she was an orphan. Her father died when her mother conceived. And when her mother gave birth, then her mother died. So she grew up an orphan, never knew her parents. So what does he mean, Atu Beis Avicha Tovedu? So question number five. What did Mordechai mean? Okay. Then lastly, source number nine. Um, sure. But you say this a lot to Beis Avicha is referring to the nation, isn't it? Like, you, I, I, if I understand correctly, I think Beis Avicha usually means like your tribe. Yeah, like your tribe. So that, it's already part of the answer. We'll see. Yeah, you're, you're thinking. You're thinking good. You're thinking so. good. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll get there. So I'm just laying out the questions. Some of the answers might be obvious to you. We'll, we'll see. So source number nine. When we first were introduced to Mordechai, it says a very interesting thing. It says, There was a Jewish man in the capital of Shushan. This is one of the psukim that Ashkenazim, at least, have the minute of saying out loud. 
uh, in unison, I don't know if it's Sephardim, but um, so, yeah, my command. The, the, the Jewish people say it out loud. Thank you. So, so <laughs> interesting. It says Mordechai was the son of Yair, the son of Shimi, the son of Kish, and he was a Benjamite. Ish Yimini. He's from the tribe of Binyamin. So, either either of those names, I don't know if there's any Tanakh experts here. Are there any, either of those, any of those names sounds familiar? Shimi or Kish? Shimi was David Amalek. David Amalek's yeah. Counselor, no? What is it? Didn't you mean Ben-Gera Yes, yes. Okay, oh, good. All right. So that's, that's... Yeah, what about quiche? Does quiche sound familiar? I don't mean like a like egg quiche, like a vegetable quiche, you know? <laughs> no? So let's look at source 10. This is what you guys were just saying. It says in Sefer Shmuel, He came to the sea of Shaul. There was someone, a descendant of Shaul, His name was Shimi Ben-Gera. He was cursing David Melech. So, okay, so you see the name Shimi appears elsewhere in Tanakh. And then, again, uh, Kish appeared also elsewhere in Source 11. The father of Shaul Melech was Kish. So, just an interesting question. It says that Mordechai was a descendant of Yair, the son of Shimi, the son of Kish. So are these the same Shimi and Kish as elsewhere in Tanakh? And if so... Why doesn't it mention Shaul? It like skip Shaul because like, it's it would have been Shimi ben. I don't think Shaul's son was Kish. Uh, Shimi, sorry, but uh, it should have mentioned Shaul ben Kish. But That's... Shimi wasn't Shaul's son. But it says he's it says he's Mishpachas Shaul. He's a nephew. He's a nephew. It says well, he's Mishpachas Shaul. Because if it's Ben Shimi ben Kish, that means Shimi's father was Kish. Right, right. But I'm, I'm I'm just saying that if there is like I don't know if there's like a dot 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 in there, you know, like if if. You would think that if it's a straight lineage from Mordechai to Kish, and it's the same Kish, so you would have Shaul somewhere in there. And it says that the, the Shimi was a descendant of Shaul, so why isn't Shaul mentioned? So we're saying Shimi, but Shimi's Ben Gera. Yeah, ben, ben Shimi Ben Gera, Ben something, Ben something, Ben something, Ben Shaul, Ben Kish. Why didn't the Pesach say that? So not always. Okay. So if, if, if it's the same ones, it might not be. Is Mordechai a descendant of Shaul, or Kish, whatever? Descendant. Of Kish, uh, like the, the original Kish, and why not mention Shaul? Okay, now we're done for the questions. Let's slowly start the answers. Why not mention Shaul? Fine. So if you flip the page, um, this isn't my question. This is the Ibn Ezra's question. The Ibn Ezra, who wrote a commentary on Chumash, she also wrote a commentary on a lot of Tanakh. I don't know about all of it, but at least Megillus Esther. So in Source 12, he writes, Vilu Haya Avi Shaul. If um, Kish was the father of Shaul, like the same one we just mentioned, Hayamaskar Shaul, it should have mentioned in the lineage Shaul. Kihumelech, he's a significant figure. You, you wouldn't skip him. If he's in the list, of, if there's like a dot, dot, dot there, when he's listing Mordecai's ancestors, it wouldn't have skipped, it wouldn't have skipped Shaul. Vlo Aviv, it shouldn't have done that. So, Alkain, lo noda in Mordecai Hayam ibn Shaul imlo. So, he's suspicious. He doesn't think that Mordecai is a descendant of Shaul. You don't see it from this Pasuk, is basically what he's saying. The thing is, though, this is contradicting a Gemara in Mesechus Megillah, which says that Shaul was a descendant of... Sorry, that Mordechai was a descendant of King Shaul. So Ibn Ezra, when he's speaking Al-Derech Hapshad, he doesn't always have a... He's not always bothered to disagree with Chazal. Chazal say things al Pidrash, and he says things al Pipshat, whatever Pshat and Drash means, ask your LOR. Those are complicated topics, but Ibn Ezra's not so shy to argue with Chazal, so he's not going with the Gemara. The Gemara, in source number 13, I'm not going to read right now, it basically says, 
um, that Mordechai was a descendant of both Shimi ben Gera and of Shaul. And if you look, source 14, there's a, I brought here a little uh, mini Megillah with commentaries. So uh, just like there's Targum Unclos on Chumash, so a lot of this, I think all, Sifri Nevi'im has what's called Targum Yonason ben Uziel. And a lot of, and Ksuvim, uh, like the Megillahs and stuff, has another thing called a Targum. And uh, it says here on the side, Targum. And... Right, so so there's a something called Targum, and it's not so clear who wrote that Targum. And then there's something else called Targum Shani, which is basically, in this, they have another thing, Targum Shani. It's, this, it's a different Targum. There's two different Targums, and often they try to bring Madrashim into the Psukim. So I bring here in Source 14, uh, Targum Shani, on this Pasuk, where it lists Mordechai's lineage, and it gives you the entire lineage. I'll, I'll just read it very quickly. Uh, starting from uh, sec- the end of the second line, it says he was Mordechai, Bar Yareh, Bar Shimi, Bar Shmida, Bar Bana, Bar Ela, Bar Micha, Bar Mephibosheth, Bar Shaul, Bar Kish, Bar Vaviel, Bar Tzor, Bar Bechoras, Bar Afia, Bar Shacharim, Bar Uziah, Bar Sheshak, Bar Michal, Bar Eliel, Bar Mehud, Bar Shafatia, Bar Psuya. Once I start, I can't stop. Bar Pison, Bar Malich, Bar Yerubal, Bar Yerucham, Bar Hananiah, Bar Zavdi, Bar El Pael, Bar Shimri, Bar Zerachariah, Bar Merimos, Bar Hushim, Bar Shchora, Bar Aza, Bar Gera, Bar Bela, Bar Benyamin, Bar Yaakov. Fine. So, gives you the whole lineage. So, Targum Chini is going with the, it's going with the Gemara. So you see that Mordechai was an ancestor of of Shal Melech. So then we're back to our question: If he is, then why is the pasuk skip him? So. Source number 15 will be the answer to that question. This is a safer called Manos Levi. It was written by Rav Shlomo Alkabetz. Does anyone know who that is? Lechadodi. He's the author of Lechadodi. So besides being a major Kabbalist and a beautiful python, writing beautiful poetry and Lechadodi, everybody basically says, um, he also wrote a lot of Torah. We have his Chedushim. He has a safer on, I know, on uh, Sefer Rus and a safer on Megillus Esther. So one of Megillus Esther is called Manos Levi. So he's bothered by this question. Let's read it. Source 15. Ha'amna. B'masha dilag mikra mishimi lakish. Why does it skip Shol? It goes from Shimi to Kish. It doesn't mention Shol. Amar ashar be'emes rava derech And as we just mentioned, there's a big distance in between them. V'yachsu ben Yair ben Shimi ben Shmeida. Okay, skip that. He basically says it. The end of the line. Omer liyos kikach yisad melech melech melechim ha'kadosh baruch hu b'maram. This is all part of Hashem's plan. That what? Shenikmas Hashem ba'amalek the way that we are supposed to destroy Amalek has to be through Shaul. That, that, that was the way Hashem set it up, that Shaul, who's a descendant of Binyamin, because I'll say that only a descendant of Rachel can destroy Amalek. There's different explanations why. But Shaul was a descendant of Binyamin, who's a descendant of Rachel. So therefore, it had to be Shaul, Amalek, who would destroy Amalek. As he says, he's going to talk about later. Uh, we're, we're not going to. Vahulo Kenasa, but Shaul, he failed his mission. He didn't destroy Amalek. So now what? We're going to have a second try. We're going to try to destroy Malik again, properly, fully, through Mordechai and Esther, who are descendants of Shalomelech. So what is it doing? It's calling Mordechai, he's like, he's Ben Kish, in the sense that we're kind of like inserting him into the lineage. We're kind of like going back in time. And we're going to cut out everyone in between. We're going to look at Mordechai as if he himself is Ben Kish. As if he is Shaul Ben Kish. He's Shaul Ben Kish. Mordechai Ben Kish, Shaul Ben Kish. He's taking the place of, of Shaul Melech. 
then he kind of throws out the Ebed Ezra. He says, "Velo nistarach lemash and nidchak rav Ebed Ezra." He ends that kish avishal. He says it's not. No, we don't need that. Vanachnu b'shem Rabbi Sinu Kedushim Naskirish. We're going to go with the rabbis, the Chazal. Shazek kish aviv ben Shalshal. If you look at source sixteen, the Sfas Emes says the same thing. Bisa b'targum sheni shayim mizera Shal. You see that Mordechai was a descendant of Shal. In Cain lamal yachsu yachsu achar amelch Shal. Why doesn't it list him as a descendant of Shal? Mihai taima. Not even Ezra and Divyachamim. That's why the Ben Ezra went away from what the Chachamim said. Aval Nira, what's the pshat? Shnira Shaal Yedei Shashal Chet Chat Chata. He said he sinned. Vehishir Mizera Amalek, and he left a remnant of Amalek. Lachin Lo Nis Karshmo Bekan. So we don't want to mention Shal because Shal sinned. That's the Svasemes's pshat. But then he says in square brackets, Ah Achar Kach. Should say Kach. Matzasi Beferish Harav Shlomo Alkabetz. It's not that we don't want to mention Shaul because he didn't have era. We want to skip Shaul because what did Mordechai do? He's being masakin the sin of Shaul. He's taking the place of Shaul. He's, as, he's standing in place of Shaul. So that's why we skip him. Maybe Shaul is like a, kil, a gilgul of, of Mordechai. With that, we've answered question number six. That Mordechai, it's, it's a repeat of history. He's taking the place of Shaul and trying to destroy Amalek. That's what's going on over here. Source number 17. A lot of sources, so I'm running out of time, so I'm going to try to go a little faster. Masas Moshe was a safer written by the Al-Shech HaKodesh. People have heard of the Al-Shech on Chumash, maybe, maybe not, more Kabbalistic, so he has a safer on the five Megillahs also, and the one on Esther is called Masas Moshe. His name was Moshe Al-Shech, so Masas Moshe. So... What does he say? Okay, he's reading reading the passage that we read before on source number eight, where where Mordechai is telling Esther, if you get involved, great. If you don't get involved, you and your house household will be destroyed. He's reading the following words into that passage. This is imagine Mordechai speaking right now. If you don't endanger yourself to save the Jewish people, nimsa avon shal. Shagaram Kalarazos Bilti Miskaper. What's going to happen? This whole thing is happening because of Shal. Shal failed his mission. That's why this whole decree is being put upon us. So if you don't get involved, then the, the, the sin of Shal is not going to be redeemed. It's not going to be fixed. You, Esther, have been put in this position right now to, to be Masakin, the Chet of Shal. And if you don't get involved, you're failing that. You're failing. And this will all be for nothing. Valkane. Atu beisavicha. That's what it means. You and your father's household. Meaning, shemi beis shol. You're coming from shol. Shagarm hara tovedu. You and your father's house. Meaning, shol's avera will never be fixed. This is the opportunity to fix it. And if you don't get involved, it's going to remain that way. Alken histakni lechaper al beisavicha. You need to get involved. You need to endanger yourself to save your father's name, your ancestor's name. You need to save shol's name. Habiti, you should look or e and, and see. Eich devarai ms. Still more speaking. You should see how what I'm saying is true. Im lokein me ayin ule ayin bios kol yisrael avadim begalus atalisa lamulcha. So why are you queen? This makes no sense. All Jewish people are are, are are servants, and all of a sudden you become queen. You, the descendant of Shalomel, why else would this happen if not for this? Ach miudei im leis kazos lesakin ashmas shal. The whole reason you were made queen was to fix the sin of Shal. He got to lamalchus. That's why he became queen. Shetatakin davar. Therefore, you should you should do this. Yeah, your question. I don't really understand this. Like this putting in Mordechai has to being put in place because like Shaul had this one chance to get rid of Amalek Lagamre, and 
um, over here, it was like, it's already too late. Like, even killing Haman, there's still other Amalekos, like, not like the end of Amalek as Shaul had it. So it's not like they're doing the same thing. And if you want to say that, it wasn't like they were directly killing him. They were hung by Achashverosh, right? Um, you're right. That's an interesting point. I don't fully know how to answer. I will say that the Tsukim described it wasn't just Haman. That was the whole war that the Jewish people were fighting. Was It was specifically the the Amalek people were the ones who were attacking the Jews during the time of Purim, and they were able to defend themselves, and they killed them all. So I don't know if they were able to, I don't know if they destroyed every single one. They, Amalek doesn't seem to be around anymore, so it seems like they were at least successful in some way. But uh, it is an interesting point that they didn't themselves kill Haman, but they got Haman killed. So. But we still have a mitzvah. Right, the mitzvah, yeah, the mitzvah still applies that if we would somehow find a guy from Amalek, there would be a mitzvah to kill him. But practically speaking... But I thought, no, I thought when uh, Mashiach uh, Ramam says, you know, it's one of the conditions of Mashiach. Like, when he comes, he has to build a base of Migdash and destroy, like... Right. So what, you're saying yeah. about that? No, it's, it's, it's an interesting point, but, um... I don't know, I have to think Perhaps about it's it. it's much more, it's reduced. Yeah, like, like I'm saying, pra- practically speaking... Yeah, 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 it was definitely diminished, in a sense. <coughs> so, I'm only a third, an- not even half answering, but I'm a third answering it, but hopefully that's better than nothing. Okay, that's a good point. So let's, let's keep moving. So, now the Gemara brings an interesting contradiction. Now we're going to tie everything together. Gemara says, in one place, source 18, the Gemara Yuma pays Vav on the base, it says that one Pasuk tells us that someone who does Tshuva may Yira, sorry, someone does Tshuva, his Averos become Shkagos. It goes from being an intentional sin to an unintentional sin. It gets downgraded one level, but it's still a sin, but it's unintentional. That's one Pasuk. Another Pasuk says that someone does an Avera and they do Tshuva, then their Avera becomes a Mitzvah, becomes a Schus, becomes a Merit. So seemingly it's a contradiction. Does it get downgraded to an unintentional sin, or does it get upgraded, so to speak, to a, to a, a Schus, to a Mitzvah? Samar says, the last line of Source 18, Lokasha, Kan Me'ava, Kan Me'ira, the difference is, what's prompting the tshuva? What, how is it being done? Is it be done, being done because he's afraid of punishment? He's afraid of, I don't know what, he'll have a bad reputation or whatever. If, if it's not the purest of intentions of his tshuva, okay, so it gets downgraded, his avera becomes a shogeg. It's not as bad, but it's also not as good. As opposed to tshuva me'ava, tshuva out of love of Hashem, he wants to become close to Hashem, he's been distanced through his avera, he wants to become close again. If he does tshuva me'ava, it flips his avera into a schus. Going to the next page. Now, this is where the title of the of the shear came from. Source 19. The Chassam Sofer, I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to summarize it. Read the underlined part in a second. But in Drusha's Chassam Sofer, he says an interesting idea. The Gemara over there in, in Yuma says an interesting idea that Gadol Tshuva, Gadol Tshuva, Shadocha Losa Seshavatora. The Tshuva is so great, it pushes away a negative commandment. What does it mean? Because it brings a Pasuk um, there's an Avera that if a, a person gets married and it gets divorced, if she marries someone else, it's forbidden for the first couple to ever reunite. If they get divorced, they can get remarried if nothing was in between. But if she marries someone else after they got divorced, they can't, can't take her back. It's, an, it's a losa, say it's a love. There's malchus. It's not like, you know, arayos, where it's like karis and stuff like that, but it's, it's, a, it's a losa, say. So Chazal look at Kal Yisrael as a mushal of uh, like a parable of being a woman, Hashem's the man, and we're married. And when the Jews do an avera, it's like we got divorced. And when the Jews worshipped idols, it's like they married someone else. And yet we did tshuva, and Hashem took us back. So you see, tshuva is so great, it, it, Hashem will take us back. 
even though we're seemingly doing an Avera by coming back to Hashem because we married someone in between. So the Chassam Sofer says that whole concept is only true if we did Shuva me Yira, but not if you do Shuva me Ava. Why? Because he says, for example, let's say you marry a woman on condition. No, sorry. Uh, they get they get divorced, the first couple, and then she marries a second guy on condition, al Tanai. The, the Tanai is, as long as my first husband doesn't take me back, we're married, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be married to. But the second the first husband wants to take her back, then the marriage is annulled retroactively. It's like they were never married. So even though they were living together, and maybe the, we call that like living together business, but it's, it's not like she actually married someone else in between, because it was on condition, and the condition was knocked out when her first husband took her back. So he says that's what's going on by us. When we, um, when we do an Avera and then do Tshuva, the Avera is still there. So it's key like we married someone else. If you do Tshuva Me'ava, it gets flipped into a Schus. So it's like we never did an Avera in the first place. If you do Tshuva Me'ava, if you do Tshuva Me'ava, so then it's, it's still an Avera. So it's it's, it's kilu. It, it gets just downgraded to a, a shogig. I think to so the opposite. Maybe it's hard to say the opposite. So um, say ahava, it gets flipped into. It means you can go back. If you, if you do ahava, becomes like flipped. a mitzvah. Okay, fine. And it's like you never did an avera in the first place. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Sorry if I misspoke. And then shuvah miyira is gets downgraded. It's still an avera, but it gets right. downgraded. So the whole right. concept that it's as if we married someone else in between. That's only if you do Chuma Miyura. But if you do Chuma Ava, it's like you never did an Avera in the first okay, place. Fine, sorry. Okay, fine. And if you see what I underlined here, Bakol Zayas Nevela Sha'achal, if you do Chuma Ava, every olive's worth, every little bit of Nevela, of, of cheeseburgers, of non-kosher food that you ate, Havale Ki'ilu Achal Korban Pesach Yerushalayim. It becomes flipped, and it becomes like you did it at Korban Pesach. It's like you ate the Korban Pesach in Yerushalayim. We can't do that today. We don't have access to the base Mikdash. But... I'm not saying you should go do this, but I'm saying if someone did an Avera, and then they do Chuva Me'ava, that you should do. Chuva Me'ava, then it gets flipped. It becomes like they, they ate the Karm Pesach. And the, and the, the Chida says a beautiful idea in Source 20. There's a concept that is often quoted, especially by Bali Chuva. So what, what's that mean? What's the shot behind that? What, he gives an interesting idea. The second line of Source 20. Kine. A gamor who never did an avera in his life, he's limited by what mitzvahs he can do. He can only do 248. But a Baal Shuva gets to do more mitzvahs than a, a tzadik gamor. Why? Every avera that he does, asher asu nishavchu lahem lezchuyos. Now he not only has 248 mitzvahs, he has 365 extra mitzvahs. He has 613 mitzvahs. Because the 365 averas that he did, if he does Chua Me'ava, it gets flipped into a, a schus. Isn't this talking about someone who, who was, you know, completely observant the whole life and then went up and then came back? Probably because uh, someone who didn't grow up religious who would say he's a tenek shanishba, so what he did isn't really called an avera. Yeah. I hear, but the point is someone who does Chua Me'ava... No, no, no. Whether he grew up religious or he didn't grow up religious and whatever, the point is, it's a good point, but you know, still, the, the idea is there that if. I think one of the rabbis here once said that just because you grew up not religious and like you can't be, take, can't be blamed for it, but it's not like it's. It's not like you're like on the same level because yeah. like you're all those years of missing out on all those schuyos, all these things that you they were doing, it's not, it's not the same as it's not a gum or it's like. Maybe it's zero, maybe it's a little bit less than zero. Hashem's not going to hold you accountable, but it's definitely not nothing that the person didn't grow up religious. Yeah? Um, 
Why would you say that it becomes like, you know, the 365 are, they're no longer a negative commandment, they now become positive commandments, you're saying? Yeah, why, why say that? What are, you, what are you asking? No, because it should be that they now become part of the category of mitzvahs asa shalish. Right, okay. You're right, yeah. it's. I don't really know how the lumdus works exactly. The Chassam Zover did say the Nevela becomes a Koran Pesach. So you're right, it could be like that. So at the very least, so again, I'm only half answering your, you're asking your questions. At the very least, I would say that there are certain mitzvahs not everyone can fulfill. You know, I'm not a Kohen, so I can't do things in the Beis Mikdash. There's no Beis Mikdash today, so I can't eat the Koran Pesach. But if I did an Avera that was somehow related to those mitzvahs, and I do Tshuva, so now I'm able to do mitzvahs that a normal Yisrael can't do, or a person in that can't do. That's right, so it could be you're tapping into the 248. Hmm? So does this mean, does Gemara mean like the, the, any punishment that there might be gets completely wiped out? It becomes not only, there's no punishment, out, but it's but even called a schus. Yeah, it becomes even, a, it's like you did the mitzvah. It's as if you so did a mitzvah. Gemara, like, I think it's in Rosh Hashanah, where it talks about all these different, different levels of averias and the things like the different levels of Gehenna and stuff. This is right. all without tshuva. Me'ava. Me'ava. What? Well, tshuva, okay, man, the, the, maybe it's the same grammar you're talking about, talks about certain averos, tshuva's not enough, you have to, there's also Yom Kippur, there's yeah, Yisurim, yeah. different things like that, so I don't know how that fits in with tshuva me'yurim, tshuva me'ava, maybe tshuva me'ava skips all that, I don't know, according to this, because it's like you never did the avera in the first place, maybe, right. I don't know, I have to look into it. Okay, so there are sources that apply what we're saying right now to the Megillah itself, so we've been talking like, more theoretically or more abstractly, let's, let's tie it into the Megillah itself. Source 21. There's an interesting midrash based off this pasuk. Shmuel Navi, we're going to read it in Parshas Zachor in the Haftorah. Source 21. Vayomer Shmuel, Umeh Kol Hatzon Hazeb Aznai, Vakol Abakar Asher Anuchi So after Shmuel said, I did everything you asked me, Shmuel responded, So then why do I hear all these sheep? Why, are, why do I hear the ba of the sheep? Like, this, this, I heard it's a bit of a joke in the, in the, in the pasuk. It says, Umeh, like that's how, you, that's how you read it with the trap. Umeh Kol Hatzon Hazeb. Like, so that's, that's the trope, so, you know, a good Balcora will throw that in there, so try to listen. But whatever, so, 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 that's what Shemuel was saying, is, what do you mean you did what Hashem said? Why do I hear sheep? So, the Midrash, okay, we're running out of time, so I'll just tell you what it says, outside, that, um, after Haman built the gallows to hang Mordechai, it was the middle of the night, says, the Midrash says that he went to the base Midrash, and he found 22,000 students learning Torah with Mordechai, late into the night, and it was right before, like, they were, this, this, towards the end of the story, that they were trying to figure out if the decree is going to get annulled or not, and they're all fasting and doing tshuva, and so it says all the kids were crying, all the little kids were crying, and their cries went up to Hashem. I underlined it here. But Osa Hashan is Galgul Racham of Baruch Hu. At that moment, Hashem's Rachim came. The Aman Mikisi Din Mikisi Rachim. Hashem got up from the throne of judgment to the th- throne of mercy. The Amar Hashem, so to speak, is saying, "What am I? What's the sound I'm hearing? It's like sheep and 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 uh, goats. What 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 what's the sound I'm hearing?" And then Moshe Rabbeinu comes and tells him that's the children of Kali Yisrael, and they're crying because of the gezerah. And it says that Hashem took the gezerah and ripped it up. It was made of cement, and he tore it up. Um, so that's the midrash. So the source twenty-three, the shla. Hakadosh, Shneil Chosabris, one of the more Kabbalistic Svarim out there that uh, people like to quote. He says, uh, he wants to give a shot in this Midrash. He says, I'm going to give you a bit of a hint to what this Midrash is saying. He has the donos nasim zechuyos. The Kali Yisrael at the time of the Megillah, at the time of the story of Esther, they did Shuvah Me'ava, and therefore their Avera became a schus. 
Hachet kodem haya umeh kol atzon. Now, what was the chet he's talking about? He's talking about the chet of Shaul Melech. Because he's quoting the Pasuk by Shmuel. Umeh kol atzon. Why do I hear sheep? said Shmuel. Why do I hear sheep? So that was the chet bimei agag. Asher chamal Shaul. Shaul had mercy when he wasn't supposed to. So what ended up happening is that Avera got nishapech l'schuyos and it became the sound of the cries of the children. Umeh kol atzon asher Hashem said, why do I hear the sound of sheep crying? Because... It became a schus for the Jewish people. It became that they now have, were able to be redeemed. Because that, that's what flipped the, the sin of Shalom El, the Chuvah Me'ava, became a, a tremendous mitzvah for the Jewish people. Last page, page four. Just a few more uh, ideas, and then we'll answer up all the questions. There are other sources that tie in, as we're about to see, the idea of Chuvah Me'ava being what, what was happening with the Jewish people. First of all, I just want to point out, Source 24, what would, what would you say was the nace of Purim? What would you guys say? Any guesses? Right, right. That's, that's the classic answer. So the Chazim Silver says something else. As I first actually quoted this last week. That he says that that's not, that's a nace, but it's not such a nace because, you know, it's the derech that the Jewish people do tshuva and Hashem saves them. Like, that's not such a nace. And Hashem always listens to our tfilos and if we, if we dive into him, why wouldn't he listen to us? So he says that's a nace, but it's like not such a strong nace. He says the biggest nace is a uh, first line here, I underline, Ikra nace ze humash mesaper hamishta, mesaper mishta, sha'alide ze neharagas vashti. That the very beginning of the story was the biggest nace, he says. Why? Because, as I said before, it was the worst avera that Jewish people potentially did in their entire history. They were decreed to be completely destroyed, men, women, and child, no exceptions. They benefited from the Suda of Hashverosh. They enjoyed the Suda. And at that exact moment, while in the middle of the Suda, Hashem was engineering already their salvation. He had Vashti killed. And that paved the way for Esther to come. That, he says, makes no sense at all. It was 180 days of partying. They were drunk the entire time. Ahasuerus never thought to bring his wife in without any clothes on, which is also kind of weird. And Chazal say that uh, that she uncharacteristically said all kinds of horrible insults to Chazal, insulting him, and that's also why he got mad. Like all these things don't really add up. Al pi teva, it doesn't make sense that all of a sudden at the end of this of the, the suda, all of a sudden Chazal decides, you know what, let's bring in my wife without any clothes, which is really weird. And then she refused, and she insulted him, and then she gets killed. And 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 he said he stresses. It was the middle, they were in the middle of doing the Avera. It's like someone's like in the middle of like eating pork and then like someone's going to shoot them and then Shem causes lightning and kills the guy who's going to shoot him. Like, why, why is that? That's, that's, well, we'll talk about it in a second, exactly why. But that, that's what he's saying. Is it's a huge nace. They weren't worthy of a nace at that time, but they got it anyways. Source 25 was written by uh, an Afron that people like to quote uh, when they're learning Baba Kama and Ezekiel is the saver known as the Nesivas, the Nesivas Mishpat. Not the Nesivas Shalom, the Nesivas Mishpah, the Nesivas, he wrote a parish on all the Megillas, and this one's called Megillas Sasarim. So he's going to answer some of our questions, and with that, we'll come to an end. We're running out of time. He says, basically, that the reason why, it says in the, in the Pasuk, that, that it says in the story, the, at the end, after there was the salvation, they made a Mishnah, they made a party, a drinking party. Mishnah always means a drinking party. So it's similar to our questions we asked earlier. Why did they do? Why would they do a drinking party? Wasn't that the whole source of the avera? He says it's because they did shuva me'ava. They did shuva me'ava, so the avera that they were doing became a schus. It became such a tremendous merit for them that that's they were able to to celebrate that way because it wasn't it didn't look bad anymore. It looked good because it was a huge schus that the Jewish people did this suda 
they had this mishnah and it became a, a, a suda's mitzvah. This 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 party that they had it was like uh, it was it was like a Shabbos meal. It was like a, it was a huge slice for the Jewish people. So therefore, they were able to make it then. And in source twenty six, the Svasimah says, and that's why they Chazal made a chiv to do to do a suda. That the reason why we have to get drunk is not is is because is because it was a tremendous slice for the Jewish people. It, it it it's as I said before, if you look at it as one of the worst things we ever did. So when it becomes a schus, it becomes one of the greatest schus we've ever had in our history. So that's something to celebrate. That, that's, that's tremendous. That the Jewish people could be on such a level. That's why we, that's why, that's why Chazal instituted that we should have our own drinking parties. Hopefully, you know, with the right intentions and the right behaviors and not over, over, overdoing it. But the idea being is that we're trying to tap into that tremendous schus. We're trying to recall it and we're happy about it. And then Source 27 the Mimer Esther, the Rishulma Kluger, who asks question number two, why did Esther use wine? It's the same idea. He says, because they did Shua Me'ava. So, it makes sense to use that very thing as part of her whole plan to save the Jewish people. She used wine as part of her plan to destroy Haman because that was, that was her ticket to salvation because it was the greatest twist the Jewish people ever had. Now, to, to answer the, the last two questions, um, three, that's three questions. We answered already. What did Mordechai mean um, when he said what, your father's household? Because she's taking the place of Shalomelech. So we have two questions left. So let's answer question number four. Why did we not accept the Torah earlier? So we're basically out of time. But I, I didn't even bring it here. I'm just going to tell you it outside. The, the Dumna Magid, who um, is known for his parables, his mashalim, he's one of the only people who rebuked uh, the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon asked him, "Could you please give me musr? Give me, you know, rebuke me. What, what do I do wrong?" And the and the and the Dibna Magad famously told him, "You think you're so you're such a tzaddik, but you just spend your whole day inside. You don't interact with the world in any way. You don't see women. You don't see these uh, all these enticing things because you just hide yourself in a corner the whole day. So like you you wouldn't be so great if you went out to the real world." And so the goes like, "You're right, but what can I do? This is where I have to be." So like it's like interesting. Like we think we're not such a tzaddik, but we actually go out and interact with the world. We have we have nisyonos. The Vilna Gaon kind of held him hid himself from those nisyonos. Anyway, so the Dibna Magad gives gives a very interesting muscle. He says, imagine a story where you have this really poor chassan, this really poor groom, and he's marrying a tremendously rich uh, wife. Her family is very rich. And they said, the wife's, the, the, the Kalas family said, we're going to pay for everything. We're going to pay for the, the hall of the chassana. We're going to pay for the band. We're going to pay for the shaitel. We're going to pay for everything. Oh, thank Alcohol. God for the Hmm? Yeah. Thank God for the shit. <laughs> so we're going to pay for the alcohol. Everything's on us. We have one request. Could you please buy your own suit for the wedding? We want you to have some chilek and the simcha of getting involved with the wedding, the preparations. We don't want you to think that you're, you don't have to do anything to get ready. Please buy yourself a suit. That's all we ask. We'll do that. We'll do everything else. So the groom's family was extremely poor and they tried their best. They saved money. They, 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 they sold a bunch of things that they had and they, they, they saved a very minuscule amount. They went to like one of these bargain, you know, uh, like suits, like uh, used suit stores. They bought like a really, really, really cheap suit. That was the best they could afford. Okay. So that's what he got. So he's wearing the suit. It's the day of the wedding. He's on the way to the wedding and something horrible happens. He stumbles into a pile of mud and his whole brand new suit used a brand new suit was completely ruined and he's so embarrassed and there's no way he can clean the suit out what's he going to do so he bumps into his future father-in-law on the way to the wedding and he sees what happened he says don't worry you tried your best that's all i asked we'll we'll pay for the suit we'll, we'll buy a suit 
And what kind of suit do you think he got him? He got him the best suit you can imagine. Like, they're a very wealthy family. They got, I don't know, the, like, Armani, whatever, suits that didn't have shotness, whatever. They got the best suit you could possibly imagine. That's what he wore to his chasna, and he was so happy. So that's the mushal. What's the nimshal? Human beings are naturally um, lacking. We have, you know, we're not perfect. We, we have our... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There are things that we're not so good at, you know... Chesronos? Uh, Chesronos, whatever. Chesronos, I'm trying to think of the English word. We're, we're, not, we're not so perfect, and, 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 <laughs> and sometimes flaws, that's what I'm looking for, thank you. So we have our flaws, and when we do a mitzvah, we're not always able to do it with the best, best, best intentions. We try our best, so that's all Hashem wants. He wants us to try our best. But sometimes we stumble, sometimes we do a veros, fine. But if someone does true me'ava, Hashem is giving you a mitzvah for free, so to speak. It's like the rich father-in-law, he's giving you a suit. What suit did he got? Did he get? He got the best suit possible. So if Hashem is giving you a mitzvah, you think it's going to be a humanly like limited mitzvah, like you know, with all our limitations? No, it's going to be the best mitzvah you can ever imagine. Hashem is giving you a mitzvah. He's going to give you the best mitzvah possible. It's going to have all the, the kavanos, all the kabbalistic intentions. It's going to have everything that you ever wanted in your mitzvah performance. Hashem is giving that to you for free if you do tshuva me'ava. So this answers question number four because the Jewish people at the time of the giving of the Torah, they were human, they were regular, let's say they were Sadiqim, let's say they didn't do any Averos, but all the mitzvahs that they did, they were limited by human limitations. They couldn't do better than the average human could. But when they did Shua Me'ava, they did one of the worst Averos possible, and they got flipped into a mitzvah, and became the biggest schus possible. It wasn't only the biggest schus, but it was a mitzvah that Hashem, so to speak, was performing. It was, they were on such a high level that they had never reached in their entire history, because they never done such Shuva Me'ava before. And because of that, they were able to have the schus necessary to accept the Torah from uh, the deepest depths of their heart. Shuva Me'ava, they were able to accept the Torah willingly Me'ava. And with this we'll end, Source 29, I'm not going to read it, you can read it yourself if you want, the Chirushe Rim, asked the Rebbe of Rajin, our question we started with, question number three, what was Shal thinking? Why did Shal say, Hashem. I fulfilled the word of Hashem. So the Rebbe of Rajin suggests a very interesting answer, maybe it's a too chassidish for you. He says, this was all Shal's plan from the very beginning. Everything we just said, this was all part of his plan. I'm going to leave Agag alive so that I will uphold the word of Hashem, that the Jewish people are going to be able to fulfill uh, and accept the Torah willingly. They're going to do tshuva me'ava. They're going to go through this whole process and they're going to be sentenced to death and they're all going to do tshuva me'ava. It's going to be the greatest twist in their possible history and they're finally going to be uh, upheld the Torah. I'm, I'm going to allow the Torah to be fulfilled and accepted willingly possibly. This never happened before. I'm going to make it happen. Sounds great, no? So what was his avera? He was punished for this. So the Rebbe Rajin said, yeah, but you can't put the Jewish people in danger just because you have all these cheshbonos. Oh, I'm going to get them to do tshuva me'ava. He put their, them in danger. They, they were going to die. It wasn't a joke. They actually were sentenced to death. So you didn't have the right to do that. So that's why he got punished. But he had really good intentions, and he wasn't lying when he said, Hakimosi is of Hashem. May we all be zochah to do tshuva me'ava. Hopefully we didn't do any averos, but if we did, may they all turn into schuyos. Amen.